0: Welcome to Homework is Stupid and other stuff not Apparent to a parent. This podcast illuminates the issues of our kids, their education, and offers perspective from an expert point of view, personal experience, and the research. I'm Lauren Banjavani. I'm a mom, a school psychologist, and your host. I want to share about a podcast from my friend, Anna Thomas, who's a teacher in Australia. She has this amazing true crime podcast called Apple for the Teacher, and it talks about the weird and scary things that happen in schools. Let's hear from Anna. Hello, everyone. Let me tell you about the Apple for the Teacher podcast. I'm Anna Thomas, a teacher and your host. So you're probably thinking it's about reading, writing and arithmetic, right? Well, think again. It's a fresh take on true crime, where you wouldn't expect to find true crime. In schools, yes, schools. You will hear tragic stories about murder, abduction, school bus hijack, student disappearance, suicide, kidnap and ransom, a school camp tragedy, the list goes on. So if you're looking for something a little different in the true crime genre, then Apple for the Teacher is for you. So join me as I present The Bad Apples. But until then, remember to be a good apple. Today, we're going to be talking about school safety, lockdown drills, and the psychological aftermath with my guest, Erica Hansen. Erica is a couple decade long teacher, teacher leader, mentor, as well as an administrator, assistant, vice principal, as well as a principal of a middle school with 700 kids and 50 staff, This is no laughing matter. That's a huge responsibility. So, Erica, welcome and thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: All right. So I want to talk about something that's really, like, sensitive and a very delicate subject and something that's really of interest to all parents, and that is school safety, in particular, lockdown drills. So school shootings, in reality, it's very rare. However, the perception of the risk is high. We see things on the media. There has been, since the turn of the century, an increase in school shootings, but the reality is that they're still very rare overall compared to all kinds of other issues that happen in school. The Washington Post recently reported that 6,200 lockdown drills were conducted and experienced by over 4.1 million children and youth during the 2017-18 school year. So that is an increase from the past. So I would like to know from your experience working in schools for decades as a teacher and an administrator, do you see an increase in the amount of safety drills done in your time?
1: Absolutely. Uh, When I first began my career 22 years ago, we were required to do fire drills. And we were required Mm, to do some lockdown drills per year, but the minimum number, it was maybe two, three, maybe four per year. Now we are required to have a minimum of one drill per month. That includes fire drills and stay drills, lockdown drills, modified lockdown drills, in order to help support our students and our staff towards what would happen in the case of an actual lockdown.
0: Yeah, I can't even imagine what that is like. So part of a school leader's responsibility is ensuring school safety. That is one of the dynamics of the many things that a school leader is responsible for and really one of the most important, especially in light of what we read in the media today, school safety is huge. So for you as a person, so you're managing a school that has 700 middle school students and 50 teachers and staff combined It's a big deal. What does this mean for you in general as the principal and the leader of this building?
1: Well, my number one job at all times, regardless of the time of year, whether there are students present or just adults present, is to have in the back of my mind the safety and security of the entire building. That can mean in the sense of lockdown drills. That can mean in the sense of intruder drills. It, it really depends on what's happening throughout the school day. That can mean that a student is putting us at risk within our school and they have to be removed from the building. But at the forefront of my mind every day when I walk into the school is to keep the safety and security of my entire team. That includes adults and children and their families at the forefront of my mind. So overall, when
0: you're you know, working in the summer and you've got teachers and students coming back, what Do you and how do you consider a yearly school safety and crisis prevention plan? What are the components of what you're thinking and your planning is for that?
1: So, a crisis prevention plan is required to review every year. We have a crisis team that is on site. Every year, we decipher who's going to be a part of that team. We try to keep that team as consistent as possible so that they are fully aware of what their function is within that team. So, give me an example of who's on that crisis prevention team. So, we may have a rescue team that is going to go in. We may have a staff member that is going to be responsible for going in if in fact we we have a rescue situation at hand. That could be from a lockdown drill or a stress in that way or it could be something like a earthquake which we are bound to have in the Pacific Northwest here shortly. So that person may be responsible for leading the team that's going to go into the building and support students and our staff that are in there. We also will have a leader of a team that is basically meant for medics. If we have injured individuals, how do we decipher who those individuals are and their risk level? We will have another team that is responsible for managing those students that are not impacted, but that we are trying to keep calm and collected. We'll have another team that is responsible for managing the parents that are bound to show up on campus and want to have their students right then. When my job is to make sure that all students are protected and that we have parents who are coming on campus that we need to have them sign them out and are responsible for the ins and outs of the building. We cannot just allow parents to come on campus and take their child.
0: So let's talk in particular about if you had, for example, a school shooter because I think that's something that a lot of parents think about. Is that considered a lockdown drill or an intruder drill?
1: Depends on how how it comes about. So if we see that intruder prior to them entering the building, the building will go into lockdown. If we see that intruder in the building, we will still go into lockdown. So it is a lockdown. Regardless, there are different levels of lockdown. So we could go into a lockdown where we're still moving throughout the building, and that is a partial lockdown. And so there is something within three to five miles of the building that might be a threat to our students, but it's not an an imminent threat where it's happening on campus at that time. That way, we would just lock our exterior doors. We might lock, lock the gates to the school so that they can't enter. We would be on cameras monitoring in and around the school in order to see if we are going to have anyone on campus that should not be there. At that time, we continue to educate our students. They can go throughout the halls. They will go to their next classes. They just do not exit the building. In the event of a true lockdown where we either have someone on campus who there's an immediate threat Then we lock all of our doors. Teaching ceases. We put all of our students to the exterior walls in order away from the doors and any access windows. Everything goes silent and we are in true lockdown. And
0: how is it to train like 50 some staff who are managing 700 kids at the beginning of the year or whenever it happens to actually follow the procedures and really make this happen?
1: It can be a challenge.
0: I can't even imagine. And
1: So ultimately, we all know that practice makes perfect. And right. ultimately, the attitude that we possess as we go through each of these drills are going to be the attitude that the students possess. So if we have a staff member who's laughing it off, who is just saying, oh, yeah, we have a monster in our building and thinks that it's funny. Which some do. Absolutely, they do. Our students are going to take that same attitude. If we have a staff member who continues to teach, our students are going to take that same attitude. If we have staff members who are taking selfies and posting them on social media during lockdowns. while that happens. Absolutely it does. Yikes. Then um, our students will be doing the same thing. What it's important to do and what I try to bring home to my staff is if this was your child in this classroom, right. how would you want the adult in the building to be protecting your child?
0: Yeah, I was recently listening to an interview with somebody who went through the events at Sandy Hook, and they were talking about a very brave, in fact, substitute teacher in a first grade classroom, and she had hid some of the kids in the closet, and one of the boys Jumped out and he ended up passing away as a result of not being able to stay where this person had hit him and the substitute teacher had jumped out to try to save him and she also passed away as well. So it is in the end these are drills but they are very very serious and the practice is so important to know in the event that something really happens that needs response.
1: Absolutely. Fear becomes it overcomes us when something like this happens. So if we have the opportunity throughout the year, four to five times a year to practice what we would do, then we will be able to kick in that natural, Okay, this is what we do next. This is what we do. Ultimately, they have very clear and concise expectations that are posted in their classrooms for each type of drill. Okay, They then have a reiterance of those on their calendar requests of when the drills are going to take place. We also conduct two drills a year that they don't know are going to happen. And we partner with our school safety services as well as our county police department to have a stranger come on campus and we count how long it takes for our students and our staff to let us know that there is an intruder on campus and then go into lockdown.
0: And how often does that, like how long does that usually take? Is there an average amount in the district or average amount for your school?
1: For myself it's been under a minute each time. That's amazing. I do to me. know that at the high school level, it has been five to ten minutes at yeah, times for right. them to point out that there's another adult in the building that they don't know. Yeah It can be a challenge, and that is why staff and and districts are requiring you to wear your staff ID cards
0: yeah. so
1: that you can see that, oh, okay, that's not a substitute or that's not a teacher within my building. That is an adult that I don't recognize. Well, especially
0: being a school psychologist, I'm in a lot of different buildings. I am always religious about wearing that those credentials. It gets me into the building, first of all, when things are locked and it's like, you know, not traditional hours. And second of all, it identifies me to other people who may not know me because I'm not always in that setting.
1: Absolutely. Even as the building principal, I wear mine daily. Yeah. And I would assume that the majority of the people... In my building, know who I am. However, we do have guest teachers who don't. We have parents that are in the building, community members, and we need to be able to identify ourselves. It's also easily seen on camera. Mm -hmm. So we can identify what staff member was where during what time. And that way, if we are missing staff or students, we can say, okay, this staff member was there. Did you see the following students who were supposed to be in proximity? How do you handle
0: teachers who are preparing special student populations, so kids who might have disabilities, who may not be able to quickly react if they have, you know, physical needs or even students who have like sensory issues, perhaps a kid with autism or other kids who have issues with loud sounds or change in structure or routine?
1: How is that handled? So essentially, it's preparation. And when we are doing drills, it's very easy to prepare students and their teachers to be able to support those students who have sensory needs, or they may have a different ability to adapt to certain situations. The scariness is around if it wasn't a drill. So what happens next? So in our classrooms where we may have specific needs, our teachers have their own safety plans. And those safety plans are around those students that might have sensory needs. So if they have a sensory need, where are their noise canceling headphones and how quickly can we get to them if there is an alarm that goes off, whether that be fire or if it goes into lockdown, what can help support our students towards that? But again, that repetitive nature of what are we going to do next and repeatedly doing this same thing each time helps supports those students towards learning. I have some teachers that do these drills beyond the time that we actually require them to. So they may choose to do this once a month as a lockdown drill versus once every other month as required by the school district.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, it's a lot of parents, I think, or people don't really stop to think about those other kids who might need special assistance. So let's talk about social media. I can't even imagine just having read you know, about events that have happened and how social media has played a role. In terms of planning for a lockdown or an actual event, how is the planning of social media involved?
1: So social media as an administrator is your greatest critic. It is something that you cannot control outside of your school. You cannot control what's in each of your students' hands or even each of your staff members' hands. We can try to educate And share with students that there is a time and place for social media and in the middle of a drill and obviously in the middle of an actual event is not the time to use that social media to their advantage. But the reality is when it comes down to it, we're going to have videos and we are going to have students who are making phone calls and we are going to have students who are taking pictures of the entire event How do we combat that? I I don't really know. We can educate, and we can share, and we can hope to inspire students that that is not what they would like to have seen if that was them or their friend or their parent. And the importance of their phones being off during lockdowns because one phone ringing could be the reason that you die that day.
0: And so during a lockdown drill, when it is a drill— What is the instruction for students in a middle school who, you know, they all have phones? Like how many, what percentage of students would you guess on a given day have phones with them?
1: 90%.
0: And so what is the instruction during a drill about how to use their phone?
1: So our policy is that all students' phones are to be put away throughout the school day. Mm -hmm. So their phones are to be powered off and put into their backpacks. So the Mm -hmm. hope would be that the phones be powered off and put in their backpacks. However, each teacher has their own classroom roles and expectations, and some do allow students to have their phones out to listen to music or interact in whatever positive way they would like to with their cell phones. So a lockdown drill, my expectation is that all staff and all students turn off their phone or at least silence their phone so that they do not get into the situation where a phone is ringing and we are able to access a room based off of that During a lockdown drill, myself, my security officer, my vice principal, and two other people circulate the entire building to check for the readiness of our staff and our students for an actual emergency.
0: What is the part of the drill that is the positive and the upside of social media? So how do you actually use it to communicate with either parents or district personnel?
1: We send out an email to all parents when we go into a drill and when we leave a drill so that they know that we are actually... Conducting just a drill. and is nothing more. At the high school level, we had a Twitter account and we would tweet it out to everyone saying that we were in a drill. It flies live on our webpage that we are in a drill and that we'll be completing a drill during that time so that everyone knows that it is just a drill. Because if it is not, then it creates a stress that we do not want to involve into our drills.
0: Wow. Such a big issue, right? I mean, we talk about it being a drill and on the day of the drill, it's like, no, not now. I'm testing this kid who hasn't been here. I'm really trying to get to him. But the reality is when you read about what actually can happen or you understand what can happen is so critical that everybody knows at all points in time what they're doing during a drill. So God forbid it should ever happen in reality that people are ready and prepared because it does save lives. So, Is there a formal protocol that staff follow after a drill, like during training are staff trained on a specific protocol to follow after a drill to look for signs of trauma reactions that might result from the drill itself? Because there is data that does say that, especially if a kid has trauma in other parts of their life, that a drill like this,
1: even though it's a drill, can really be a trigger for them. That is a gap that I think we have within our own building. I can't speak to other buildings, but we have some teachers that do have discussions regarding the drill, following the drill, and what went well, what didn't go well. I send out an all-staff email as well as an all-student email thanking them for participating in the drill and giving praise and some areas of improvement where necessary. Um, We have have yet, at this point to develop a school-wide protocol in order to check in on students that may have undiagnosed or those issues that we may not already know about. Students that we know have previous trauma, we check in with directly after the drill to see how they're doing and if they have any questions or concerns or just what their state is at that point.
0: Well, let's talk about some of those things that teachers and parents can really look for in their kids that they may see after a drill itself because the research does show that. Sometimes for certain kids, drills can be very stressful. So I think, first of all, it's it's important to acknowledge that trauma in a kid's life can be a serious problem and that having a drill can really be a trigger for a kid. Whether their trauma came from something they witnessed, whether it came from a divorce, whether it came from something they perceive as trauma – A drill can actually trigger that for them. I think that the warning signs would be after a drill. Perhaps there is just a change in behavior. There is an elevation, a short temper. There is a restlessness or an agitation, which I'm sure after a drill, a teacher at you know the last hour might say, "Hey, would you sit down and stop? Right? Like, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. We got ten minutes to go. Let's just deal with it." and and not really realize that 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 agitation and that sense of restlessness could be a trauma reaction. Perhaps they might even be aggressive. They might do something like that's in terms of like their conduct. They might take something. I mean, all of those things could be trauma reactions. They may not be able to concentrate if it's, you know, in the beginning of the day or a certain period of the day, and they move on, they pass to the next period in middle school, for example, and that could be something that teachers could look for. In terms of parents, I think looking for nightmares, looking for withdrawal, lack of energy, not wanting to do their homework if they normally want to, any sort of change in behavior could be a sign. So I think that what's really important is to make time as a teacher or a parent to really just say, what's happening with you right now?
1: Absolutely. I think that the number one thing we can ever do with a student who is acting a little abnormally is to say to them what's going on with you. Not in the forum of an entire class where you have 32 children staring at you and you're asking them negatively what's going on with you, but taking a moment out to put your hand on their shoulder and ask them what's going on. How are you? What's happening? What's going on with you today? This isn't like you. Absolutely. And then again, that partnership between the school and the family. So when we send out that email saying that we're in a lockdown drill today, to me, that starts a great conversation around the dinner table if you have that or while you're on your way to practice in order to say, oh, you guys had a lockdown drill today. How was that? Where did that go? Kids are curious and they are scared. Because they know that in reality it could happen to us.
0: And so the other thing about a reaction to trauma is that it could look different from kid to kid. So it could be shock or disbelief. It could be a sense of like displaying fear or sadness that you could see guilt or shame or grief or confusion or pessimism or anger. So it could be expressed in a number of different ways. But I think the key would be that if you see it after a lockdown drill or your kid comes home and they're not, you know, their normal self, it really could be a trauma reaction. And so we're gonna post some of these tips and things to think about um, and really just trying to connect with your kid. And the thing is that I think reinforcing that they are safe, that this is a drill, that they are safe and that there is a plan is what's really important in in releasing some of that and allowing them to re-regulate and know that they're gonna be okay. For links to information that we discussed in the show, see the show notes. Also, you can visit my website at com, and please subscribe as well as tell a friend. Thanks so much for joining me.